You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Bears team is hungry for 2021. It's not like 2019 when they're coming off the 12-4 and season the year before, trying to just pick up where they left off. It's not like 2020 where they're just happy to be playing football on the field. No, this season, these Bears want it bad. And so much of that is going to be jump-started by Justin Fields. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On the show today, we will hear from some hungry bears, particularly on offense. Darnell Mooney, unsatisfied with what was an impressive rookie season, ready for bigger and better in 2021, which I think will be largely tied to which quarterback is on the field for what percentage of the season. We also have Damian Williams, the free agent running back brought in after a year away. He explains some of what that year off was like and just how motivated he is to be back in Chicago or back in the NFL and why Chicago is the place he really wanted to be. And then it's Cole Komet, the second-year tight end coming off of a little bit more justifiably disappointing of a rookie season. Now things starting to come into shape a little bit more clearly for him, and he's got big visions for how his role in this offense should grow. But let's start with Darnell Mooney, because he's such an exciting player for this offense this season and beyond. A guy so many of us have circled, marked, starred, in pen, in permanent marker, in stone, as a breakout player for 2021. Because it felt like he came so close last season. There were so many of those opportunities. I mean, yes, he made a ton of great plays along the way, but you always felt like there was always more to be had there. There was a ceiling there that wasn't quite reached, and all of it widely exceeding everything we expected for a fifth-round pick out of Tulane. Just supposed to kind of come in and be a number four type receiver, a vertical threat, and really taking all the shine away from Anthony Miller. But he's not a player that finds himself very satisfied with what he was able to do last season, even when his coaching staff is telling him he should be. They, they told me that I exceeded expectations and um, that I, I played very well. Um, to me, I didn't, I didn't exceed everything that I wanted to accomplish, but um Going into year two, I just want to be, you know, more of a threat to the to the defenders and uh, more of an asset to the team. For Darnell Mooney individually, that means being even deeper into the playbook and perhaps more so deeper into studying opponents and getting to learn the tendencies of the cornerbacks he's going to go against week in and week out. I remember early in the season last year, you know, he had a couple of big catches early on in that first few games and it was like the Darnell Mooney breakout was already starting we were already getting flashes of what we wanted from this fifth round pick and one of the things I remember him saying early on was like 
how great it was in the NFL for him to be like, yeah, you know, now I can spend my whole week watching film and like diagnosing my opponent. He's like, when I was in college, I had class and I had, you know, to study and maybe even work on the side. I mean, anything, all the other things in your life as a college student, in addition to being a football player to where you can only devote so much time, right? They they put their blood, sweat, and tears. They wake up at 6 a.m. and go to bed at 10 p.m. And, you know, all this stuff, they, they're really sort of locked in full time as much as they can as football players. But now when you really don't have any other things pulling you away in life, he was able to sort of say, like, now I can figure out my cornerback ahead of time. In college, he said he'd figure it out during the game. You know, he'd run some routes against him and then start to figure out where his strengths and weaknesses were live. But last year, he said he could come into the game on the very first snap and really start to know his opponent much more than he would have in college. So then it's about taking some of those understandings and expanding it to the whole coverage that you're facing, knowing not just what my cornerback tends to do, but also the safety over top, what type of coverages they are more likely to run based on what looks they're in, where the help coverage might be, if it's a linebacker coming over over the middle of the field, or however defenses might try and slow you down, having that understanding of what they're trying to do can make the world of difference for Darnell Mooney. Oh, and of course, he's going to have a quarterback at some point that's going to really dominate that vertical passing game and be able to utilize his speed to its full potential when Justin Fields gets on the field. It's a beautiful ball, man. Uh, he he knows where he wants to put it, and uh, it's very accurate. And uh, sometimes if it, it can get there at a, at the right the right ball, but he wants it out in front of you, and um, he'll get frustrated with himself if it's not there. But um, the very first one that he threw up to me, I was smiling mid-route of just seeing the ball in the air and just how where it was placed. And um, like I said, man, he's, he's very accurate with his ball, and he understands where, where exactly where he wants to ball. So Mooney never quite had that with Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles last season. I'm not sure he'll exactly have that with Andy Dalton, although I think we have some optimism that perhaps – Dalton can rekindle some of his past success with a guy like A.J. Green and doing some vertical passing with Bill Lazor in Cincinnati if the offensive line can protect him and if the running game can help support him in the defense and all those things that Andy Dalton needs that maybe Justin Fields needs a bit less of and can more individually and naturally be that difference maker at the quarterback spot that should directly lead to better production from Darnell Mooney and use his skill set to much more of its full potential. It's the type of attractive option that I'm sure every wide receiver would love to play with. A lot of the free agents that came this year didn't know they were going to have Fields when he signed, but I think a guy like Damian Williams in particular loves what the future looks like at quarterback in Chicago, and if he wasn't already on his way here, he would have been in a bigger hurry to come play with Matt Nagy, and it sounds like he's excited for his role in this offense, regardless of who the quarterback is, and we'll hear from the Bears veteran running back on what exactly that might look like and what his last year was like away from the game of football next on Locked On Bears. The more Bears fans seem to get excited about Justin Fields, the less excited oddsmakers seem to get about Justin Fields. Looking at our friends at betonline.ag, the odds for Offensive Rookie of the Year, we keep seeing Justin Fields slide back more and more. Of course, Trevor Lawrence is the favorite, plus 350. Shouldn't be too big of a surprise there. Number one overall pick. 
Originally, Justin Fields was right at the top after him with Trey Lance in second and Fields in third. Both of those quarterbacks moving down the odds. Kyle Pitts and Mac Jones currently tied for second best odds for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Jamar Chase and Trey Lance tied then for fourth. And Fields comes in tied for sixth with a running back, Najee Harris. I'm telling you, 9-1 to odds at betonline.ag for Justin Fields to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. That is great value. Sign up today for a free account and enter our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your free 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. It was a surprise to a lot of us when the Chicago Bears signed running back Damian Williams fairly early in the free agent process. It wasn't right out of the gate, but I believe it was still the month of March. It wasn't one of those sort of like late April kind of last minute guys still left bring him in because he provides good value. Like it, it was on the later side, right? It was not a prioritized player, but still you had David Montgomery coming off of his most productive season, finally seemed to have unlocked what whatever might have been holding him back, whether it was just play calling in terms of not giving him enough opportunities or schematically committing to the running game and getting some play action working off that. A lot of things came together, plus the offensive line, for David Montgomery to really emerge late last season. That was without Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen now coming back from injury. You kind of thought, there's your one-two punch. In comes the third punch, I guess. One, two, three punch. More of a, I guess, the what the running back cliche then is three-headed monster in the backfield. Is that we go from one-two punch to three-headed monster in terms of what broadcasters love to throw out there. And Williams clearly can find a role. He's not just a ball carrier, but someone who can catch the ball effectively out of the backfield. He comes from Kansas City, but never played there with Matt Nagy at the same time. His first season with the Chiefs, was Matt Nagy's first season with the Bears. So there's not that direct head coach connection, but clearly carrying the same offense from Andy Reid. And the other aspect here that I haven't seen really get talked about much is that for Damian Williams' first two seasons of his NFL career with the Miami Dolphins, his offensive coordinator was Bill Lazor. So there is that direct coaching staff connection. Now it's all about trying to figure out, okay, how are all these pieces going to fit together in Chicago? With Nagy, like I said, you know, he, he came from the same system, same place, you know, that I did. So, you know, he, and, and we had a talk, you know, I'm going to use you just, you know, how, how you was using Casey as far as putting you out wide, running the ball, you know, just coming here being a football player. In Kansas City, he was also a running back they used regularly in pass protection as well. So some different possibilities there. We're not going to see him play the full, like, Tariq Cohen hybrid role. I was looking back at some of his usage numbers in Kansas City. You know, anywhere from 10 to 15% lining up in the slot or out at receiver. So, you know, more than we saw with David Montgomery, not quite up to the full Tariq Cohen experience there. So there's there's opportunity. It's still figuring out sort of how you're going to get the ball to all these players. Maybe you put more than one running back on the field at the same time a little bit more, and also maybe just giving yourself some running back insurance. After last season, you lost Tariq Cohen, and you were really scrambling a little bit in terms of you know the Cordero Patterson experiment going 
all in for a couple of weeks with him as like an every down back when David Montgomery was also hurt. You had to bring in Artavis Pierce as an undrafted rookie free agent, getting some snaps in there. And of course, Ryan Nall, a little bit more of a bigger fullback type player than a pure running back. So part of it is just saying you can never have too many running backs. And part of it is just good value for a player that instantly comes in and knows the system, but was not in football last season does not have any tape from 2020 and there's not that it's going to be something drastically unexpected but you just haven't seen him lately right so you're basing it off of 2019 and 2018 but it's always going to be a little bit of a negative for a free agent in that regard trying to come in and sort of reprove himself and stay in football shape it was a challenge for Damian Williams who has very good reasons for why he opted out last year Man, that whole year was, it, it was, oh, man. <laughs> at, at first, you know, like I said, you know, I did it for my mom, you know, everything, you know, everybody understood why I did it. But, you know, once you got into the season and, and, and watching how, you know, it actually, you know, me personally, I, I'm sitting at home, like, I hope the season don't go all the way through, especially with the COVID thing, then I won't feel like I missed too much. But not, you know, just being able, being at home and, and watching it, it really made me feel like, you know, this is something, you know, I want to do as long as possible until the wheels fall off. So I know I wasn't ready to sit down at home. Sitting out a year and then, you know, coming back, I really didn't want to learn a whole new system, different things like that. So coming here and, and kind of having the same system, same plays, it was it was easy for me. And then meeting the coaches, meeting everybody in the building. Um, I feel like one of the rookie kids, man. First day back, <laughs> just, you know, new guy in the building. So, you know, I, I'm just embracing it all right now, really. We should be clear that Damian Williams is not guaranteed really anything this upcoming season. As much as we base his experience and feel like that will most likely preclude him to have a 53-man roster spot, it, it has been a little while for him, and it is an adjustment. And he does have some competition here, a six-round pick, Khalil Herbert. They're also going to have to play special teams if you're going to be number three running back. He, he has played special teams before in his career, but again, that's an area in which all these players are going to be evaluated head-to-head. And just because he has that experience doesn't mean he's necessarily guaranteed a roster spot or even you know playing time beyond that if really David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen can hold him off. I have a feeling we'll see a decent amount of Damian Williams this season, and more than anything, it's going to frustrate fantasy football players who want to own some of this Bears backfield, and we're never really quite sure how to split up those reps and who's going to really get the touches that a fantasy football owner might want. But he does still have to prove himself this preseason and a lot to prove to other teams during the season if he wants to keep his career going. Far from the only Chicago Bears player with a lot to prove, Cole Komet in particular might be at the top of my list of guys who really need to step up and show us more in 2021. Coming up next on the podcast, we will hear from him on how he evaluates his rookie season, some of the lessons he learned, and what he's hoping to apply in 2021. Keep it locked right here on Locked On Bears. At this point, built bars have nothing left to prove. They're delicious, they're nutritious, they're good for you, they taste like candy bars, but they're built like protein bars. It's why they truly are the world's best-tasting protein bar ever. I have tried every single flavor. You can't go wrong with any of them. 
because they're all soft and chewy. They're all covered in 100% real chocolate. But most importantly, low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. I'm telling you, it sounds too good to be true, but I've been eating them for over a year now, and I can't get enough. You got to try them for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. There are so many different parts of this Bears offense to get excited about, and no one gets more excited about parts than our friends at rockauto.com. They're a family business that have been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. They've got everything you could possibly need for your vehicle, engine control modules and fuel pump assemblies, to the easy stuff like motor oil or tail lamps. So whether you're fixing up a classic car in the garage or just need a little tune-up on your daily commuter, get everything you need in a few easy clicks, all delivered right to your door. Don't spend up to twice as much somewhere else for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. I'm trying not to be too harsh on Cole Komet after his rookie season. I mean, we went in, at least I remember on this podcast, trying to set the expectations low. Rookie tight ends, generally speaking, don't tend to produce at a high level. It's one of the positions, like there and defensive line tend to be two of the positions that are the most difficult to translate and produce early in an NFL career, particularly in that rookie season. The adjustment is so great going from the college level to the NFL that you don't see, and again, especially at tight end, you don't see a lot of rookies really have big success, at least especially in the modern era. I was going back through some rookie tight end seasons, and First of all, Cole Komet led all rookie tight ends last season in receiving yards. It was only like, what, 270-something. It wasn't by any means top-level production. 243 yards, 28 catches, two touchdowns. You know, compared to tight ends across the NFL, a pretty uninspiring or just unproductive season overall. That's, you know, number three-ish or, you know, low-end number two tight end type production in an offense. But again, led, led all rookies last season in tight end receiving yards. And going back over the years, really like 500 is the mark that you generally try and hit, I guess. If you're going to sort of set a benchmark for like a decent tight end rookie season, it's like, you know, 40-something catches and 500 receiving yards. That's been about where, you know, we saw Mark Andrews hit it a couple of years ago. And, you know, you know the top tight end in each class as a rookie tends to be at about that mark. I think the the leader recently was Evan Ingram with 722 back in his 2017 rookie season. But even that year, O.J. Howard, the first-round pick of the Buccaneers, 432 receiving yards. David Joku from the Browns, 386. Even George Kittle from the 49ers was kind of a breakout as a fifth-round pick that year, but 515 yards, right? Rookie tight ends don't produce big numbers generally. So... That's okay that Cole Komet did not. It's not saying he's a bust because of how he produced 
as a rookie. It's not saying there's no hope he's ever going to get better and that he's just Adam Shaheen 2.0, right? We're not saying any of that. But you also don't want to overly inflate what we saw last year. There is still a lot that needs to be proved. And I think the important thing is that he takes what he experienced last season and, and really actually does grow and develop from it and take what he learned and be able to apply that to 2021 and beyond. Right now, um, you know, after being a year in the offense and, you know, kind of understanding what, you know, Coach Nagy and Coach Laser are kind of doing this offense, I'm just a lot more comfortable with it. Um, you know, I'm stronger. I feel like I'm quicker and faster right now. So, um, you know, just looking to kind of hit downfield passes and, you know, things like that, getting the tight end involved in that way. And, you know, doing things along those lines and obviously, you know, continue to be a, a presence in the run game as well. So just kind of being able to, you know, set the tone in the run game and then be able to build off play action and be that, you know, reliable tar- target for Andy. Cole Komet still well-trained to say catch passes from Andy, right? In part because that's probably who he was catching passes from in practice. So it was just sort of the first name. Andy is the starting quarterback. He is QB1. He's getting all the first team reps. And if Cole Komet getting first team reps at tight end, that's we would be catching passes from. So it's not, I'm not trying to read too much into that. I just think it's, it struck me briefly when he said just at the end there, catching passes uh, from Andy, like gets, gets the name in there, specifically that quarterback and not the one that pretty much everyone else, at least outside of the organization is thinking of and hoping to see from very soon. But I, I do think it's important that when we apply context to Cole Komet's production last season, that we give him the same quarterback I don't know if I want to call it excuse, but same quarterback explanation or reasoning that we apply to Darnell Mooney and others in the sense that, yes, what we saw from him last season is what we saw, but there were limitations at quarterback and to some extent limitations for Matt Nagy and the play calling as far as what they could use their weapons for with because of the quarterbacks that they were using last season and the idea that with Dalton and eventually Justin Fields, things can open up more and maybe the tight end can be more than just, especially in Cole Komet's role, kind of the safety blanket over the middle dump off on the curl or just, you know, to, toward the sideline in the flat, something easy to check down that Mitch and for some period Nick Foles would go to and would rely on. And for a lot of the season, it was Jimmy Graham in that spot. And then Komet sort of took on more and more responsibility. And then once they went to a little bit more of the play action rollout offense, it was, again, tough for tight ends to be as involved downfield. And maybe that's one of the sacrifices you make for offensive efficiency that you know tight ends have to be, you know, he has to be more of the blocker on play action or at least sell the blocking before releasing into his route. And then he's not able to get downfield and have as more productive of type of receptions. And so those are the types of things he's looking for for next year, in addition to being more involved as a blocker and, you know, being really holistically understanding the offense. So maybe he can line up at receiver a little bit more in that Jimmy Graham role. We'll see exactly what level of Jimmy Graham we get this season, because that could impact how much Cole Komet plays. Graham really on the tail end of his career, and last season his playing time dwindled more and more as the year goes on. You add a 17th game into the mix here, and yeah, that dynamic will be one to figure out. Even we heard last week from Matt Nagy saying they were kind of trying to figure it out as they went along last year. But now both of these players should be a little bit more established in what their roles are going to be moving forward. We'll keep an eye out on how both of these tight ends are used throughout the offseason practices into training camp 
And what this offense will ultimately look like, getting three running backs involved and a couple of tight ends and now how this wide receiver competition is all going to shake out. So a lot to still get to, and we will be here covering it all for you right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. We are in June. It is a little bit more of our off-season mode. So again, we're not fully daily at this stage of the calendar. We're shooting for three days a week on the podcast, probably a Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, although we might do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Monday, Tuesday, Thursday occasionally, but still going to get you three podcasts a week, and I guarantee you'll get one on Mondays, and you'll probably always get one on Thursdays at the very least, and then where the third one gets mixed in there, we'll, we'll, we'll settle that for sure at some point here. Also coming in the near future, Locked on Bears on YouTube in video form. That's down the line a few weeks at this point, but definitely before the end of the offseason, this podcast will be available completely in video form in addition to however you are listening to the podcast right now. So I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you listening all throughout this offseason. And I hope at the very least, the podcast makes it a little bit easier for you to bear down.